Yesterday, I attended the Braille Challenge. I'm with Miss Sword Out, and we're here at the Mennonite School, and we're about to check out a horse and buggy. Horse poop. And what I like about our school is uh, it's just fun. Welcome back to the March podcast. We're changing seasons from winter to spring. Isn't that great, guys? It is. Yeah, but so with, perfect. with the changing of the season, it's been just seems like a flu epidemic going on oh here. God. So we have had people in and out all month long. Uh, so we're doing things a little bit different. Our chief editor Andre is. Uh, recovering this week, he's going to get uh, two weeks spring break, right? Because uh, he sick, wasn't, huh? yeah, he wasn't able to come back this week. Oh, uh, I hope he gets better. Yeah, two weeks spring break will be good. Okay, <laughs> all right. Well, let's talk about what we got going on this month on the podcast. All right. In April, we're going to do the walking farm. In April 26th. Yep, so the walkathon's going to be on April 26th, and joining us is our partner from the conservation program at the Columbus Zoo, Jeff Ramsey. You guys remember that? We came out and did that uh, program. Mm -hmm. When we talked about the mountain gorillas. Yeah, the mountain gorillas. That was really interesting. Yeah, Yeah, mountain gorillas are interesting. Yeah. Especially when it's science related. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You remember what they sound like? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) That's a monkey. (laughs) This is what they sound like right here. What he's doing right now is blowing through his lips. Mm-hmm. He's blowing air out of it or something. Yeah, you know, like, he do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that. Now he's getting a little more wound up. <laughs> okay, Taylor, what else do we have going on? We went to the OSSB Braille Challenge. Well, the, it was the Ohio Braille Challenge. Oops. Yep, the third annual Ohio Braille Challenge down at, do uh, you remember where we went? Clover Nook Center. Clover Nook Center. Oh, Taylor, she sounds like she's sick too, doesn't she? <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, yeah, the Braille Challenge happened. That was a, another great time down there. So interesting to see all those superhero stories. Yeah, the theme this year was superheroes. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I was happy to see Cammie. Yeah. So we got to see our old friends from other schools. Uh, our old school. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. So, Connie, we uh, had a pep rally this month, right? We sure did for the Little NCs, and we celebrated for the varsity track, goal ball, and cheerleading. And wrestling. And wrestling. Don't forget wrestling. Yes, yeah. I forgot about yeah. that. Okay, so we'll have some footage on that. Mm-hmm. Chantel, did we have a, a day of tasty treats in March? Yeah, yes. The chocolate fair. The chocolate right? fair we had. Yeah, and what, what holiday uh, were we celebrating, or what festival, I guess I should say? Mardi Gras. Yeah, that's right, Mardi Gras. It yeah. was so, the food was really, really good. Yes, it was. Everybody did an outstanding job down there. Yes. There's things that were chocolate and some things that I almost got sick. Weren't chocolate. That's <laughs> because you ate too much. Eating all the chocolate. We're gonna hear a lot from our alumni. 
That's right. We did have a lot of alumni come back and visit for various reasons. Uh, Eric Duffy, Mason McLean, Chris Harrington. Today, we are going to learn about the Braille Note Touch Plus. Yep, we're always looking at new technology here at OSSB, and uh, we've taken a look at some HEMS products in the past, and uh, Jim Sullivan was down from HumanWare awesome. and, and showed us the Braille Note Touch Plus. He gave us an update on the upgrade from the Braille Note to the Braille Note Touch Plus. What? Yep, very exciting stuff. Dun, dun, dun. We also did a reach and teach with the uh, Mennonite School up in uh, where Morrow County, maybe. I'm going to have to check, check my facts on that, where they actually went. But uh, I remember doing that in my 10th grade year with yeah, Mrs. Smith. Yeah, we would go up there. Miss Smith and Miss Swartout takes a group up there this year. This year uh, she took Olivia, Andre, uh, and Autumn, and Kayla. Uh, so there's a reach and teach is what we call them, and they learn about how we do things at our school, and we learn about how they do things at their school. That so was cool. We're, we're going to look forward to hearing that. So that's going to be our exciting podcast for you this month. Thank you once again for joining the OSSB podcast team as we share with you things that are going around here at the school. And that was my eighth period class. Thank you so much, guys, for helping me out with the intro this month. Andre, we hope you get better real soon. Up next, we're going to take a trip down Highway 71 to Cincinnati, Ohio, and go to the Braille Challenge. On Friday, March 1st, OSSB students and staff traveled to Cincinnati, Ohio, to compete in the third annual Ohio Braille Challenge. This year's Braille Challenge theme was Superheroes. Everyone received a book called Captain Louis Braille, which was about Louis Braille's quest to become better with using Braille and helping others attain greater heights with their Braille skills. We were excited to have Dr. Lou Manus, our interim superintendent, and our principal, Mr. Danny Ramsey, along with us for the day. As always, Clovernook Center did an excellent job hosting the Braille Challenge. We have a great day planned for all of you today. We were treated to a delightful continental breakfast. At the opening ceremony, backed by popular demand, Bill Hall played the bagpipes as the participants marched in. A very warm welcome was given by Kathy Delora, the Braille Challenge Committee Chair. Superhero. 3D models for each of the students. The colors were presented by the Veterans of Foreign War, and the national anthem was performed by the group Pillars of Fire. Chris Faust, president and CEO of Clovernook, gave a rousing and motivational address. Clovernook was founded in 1903. Cloverlook actually started Braille production in 1913. The last three years, we have averaged 20 million Braille pages a year. The Braille Challenge City of Cincinnati proclamation was given by City Councilman Chris Smitherman. The sponsors were recognized, and David Grimes from Cloverlook led us all in the Braille Challenge pledge. There were two sessions of competition before lunch, and then we had a delicious lunch of pizza and salad, and then we had two more sessions of competition after lunch. 
We ended the day with awards, and OSSB did quite well. We had 15 participants in the Braille Challenge this year, which is great. I think we doubled that up from last year. Those folks were Amina, Ajanoi, Brian, Constance, Desiree, Elliot, Emily, Javen, Jenna, Lyric, Matt, Makia, Perseus, Philippe, Taylor, and Wesson. And our winners at the apprentice level, let's give Javen a big congratulations for first place, and third place, Makia at the freshman level. Big shout out to Matt for finishing second and to Elliot for finishing third at the sophomore. In second place was Philippe. And in third place, Perseus. At the junior varsity level, a huge shout out to Jenna for her first place finish and also to Ajene who finished third. And at the varsity level, finishing second place is Emily. Great job, Braille Challenge participants. We look forward to having another fun-filled trip next year. And always, thank you for your hard work. And keep reading, writing, and using that Braille. Up next, Dr. Manus will share her experience of going to the Braille Challenge with us. Hello, everyone. Yesterday, I attended the Braille Challenge with a number of our students from the Ohio State School for the Blind, and it was a wonderful experience. We left the school early, 7 a.m. We rode a school bus with the staff and the students. I had the unique opportunity uh, to sit next to Desiree, which she was a wonderful companion on the bus ride. Uh, throughout the day, there were so many exciting events. Uh, the opening ceremony with the color guard and uh, the Star Spangled Banner, and uh, it just really prepared us uh, for an exciting day. Students received nice T-shirts, and I learned quite a bit more about unique technologies that are up and coming and the future for technologies with our students who are blind and students with low vision. We learned about 3D printers and how they're quickly advancing. And we, the adults, participated in uh, those learning opportunities while the students were in their competition sessions. We had a wonderful lunch. And then in the afternoon was the award ceremony. A large number of our students won first, second, third place. Cash prizes were awarded, and being there at the facility where all of the Braille is being manufactured, it was amazing to see uh, in the warehouse all the, the large amount of Braille uh, being produced. So I'll end this memo with just saying how thankful I am that I did get to attend the Braille Challenge. I appreciate how everyone invited me and was very 
it was it was just a great day. So thanks again. Up next, we're going to the gymnasium to talk to the little MCs. traveled to the Indiana School for the Blind and Visually Impaired on Thursday, March 14th to compete in goalball, wrestling, cheerleading, and swimming. On March 7th, we held a pep rally at OSSB to get them fired up. We meet athletes and we'll hear some of the routine performed by the cheerleaders. Varsity athletes who participated in wrestling, cheerleading, and goalball were awarded their letters or certificates of participation. An athlete who participates for a complete season and competes at the conference will letter in a sport. If an athlete does not go to conference, they will be recognized for being on the team, but will not letter. educational program about conservation. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for joining us. Sure. It's great to be here. And uh, Jeff Ramsey is with the Columbus Zoo. I'm in the conservation department. Conservation department. Zoo. Yeah. What we do here is we have our walkathon and we raise funds and contribute it to you guys. How does OSSB play a part into that bigger picture that you guys do in the conservation department at the Columbus Zoo? Well, it's actually very amazing because we work with a center in Rwanda called the Abumwe Community Center, mm -hmm. and it's a facility that helps people with disabilities. And so from the money that is raised at the walkathon, we're able, through working with OSSB, to purchase canes for the blind students who attend the Abumwe Center. So in Rwanda, the canes really aren't available, so even if you had the money, you wouldn't be able to find anywhere to buy them. So we're able to buy them here, and then when we go visit in Rwanda, then we're able to take them and deliver them to the center to share with everybody there. Yeah, that is such a great connection, and it, it goes right into when you were talking in your program today. It's not only about helping animals, but it's about helping the people where the animals live. Right. Exactly, right. exactly. If, if you look at it from two sides, if you look at the people side and you look at the animal side, if one side is benefiting but the other isn't, then one side, it, it's not going to work long term right. for both. Right. But no if we can have both benefit, then 
everybody gets lifted up all at the same time. Are you doing uh, conservation efforts to educate the people in Rwanda about taking care of the wildlife and things that, that, that are native, uh, such as the, the silverback gorillas and other indigenous species? Absolutely, absolutely. So we work with uh, four national parks and we're helping with five different schools, both uh, primary through secondary, so that they are able to benefit so that kids can get a better education. And then they have conservation clubs. So the kids at the school are then able to learn about the animals in their country and learn how to protect them so that maybe they might never go and see an elephant or go see a gorilla, but they will know about them and they will know about taking care of wildlife and the wild places where they live. You have a just a wonderful passion for this kind of thing. To hear you get up and, and talk in front of the kids and, and all the questions that you feel, and, uh, what, what sort of led you in this direction? Uh, that, that, that's a very complicated question because I actually didn't start out in conservation. I, I grew up and I was in 4-H for 10 years mm-hmm. and then I, I moved to Columbus and went to Ohio State and got a degree in computer and information science. So I was a programmer (laughs) and I managed programming teams for 20 years. And while I was doing that, then I got involved at the zoo and got involved in conservation and eventually decided that's where I truly wanted to be. And so made the switch. And um, in the middle there, I actually moved to Rwanda and ran an orphanage for 101 children for a couple of years before coming back to Ohio and joining the zoo. Yeah. So what was that experience? That... Uh, Living there and working there (laughs) day in and day out, I'm sure. I mean, you just develop an understanding of life and culture like like nobody else. Exactly, exactly. You you have to uh, really think because other cultures don't do things the way that we do in America. So you have to constantly think about what your actions are going to be and how you're going to react to a situation to be appropriate in that new culture. And so having, I had some, some really great people around me who helped me who helped guide me and teach me how I should react and do things rather than um, going and being a complete American and, and messing there, right? things up. So, <laughs> yes, it was. There, there were times. I won't say that I got them right every single time, but sure. everybody really helped me out. I don't know if you actually worked with the gorillas, but if you have, what was the most interesting experience you had working with them? Wow, the most interesting was, wow, gorillas are so awesome. That's a really hard question to answer. Very true. But when you are with the gorillas and they are um, vocalizing to you, to, to greet you, to say hi, to say that they're happy, that's probably the best Thing that you can hear is knowing that the animals that live at the zoo are having their best life. It's kind of like humans, right? Exactly. It's, it's a lot exactly. more fun to walk into a room 
when people are laughing and having a good time than when they're yelling and throwing things. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Unless they're laughing at you, right? All right, right. That, that would only be that would be the bad part. Yeah, that would be. All right. Now, in your in your current uh, job and responsibilities, do you revisit Rwanda now um, I, as part of the program? Or I am I am very very lucky that each summer. I get to go to Rwanda. So with all of the money and items that we collect, we actually take them there and and distribute. And we're visiting all of the projects that have received money to see the project either in progress or finished so that we can discuss because we all know that we can have a great plan Mm-hmm. And then when it comes time to doing it, something will happen that we didn't expect. So when we're there, we can discuss those things, figure out a way around it. How can we solve that problem and still accomplish our goal? So it's awesome. We go uh, the middle of May this year and we'll be there until the 4th of July. So it'll be seven weeks away from home and visiting all these different projects and verifying everything's going well. That's wonderful. How do we learn more about this? Is there a website that people can go to if they want to uh, read up on this or if they want to make a donation? Because you mentioned that uh, one of the things that you provide the center is Braille riders, and those are very expensive, you know, up in around the six $700 range. Exactly. Uh, you can go to www.columbuszoo.org mm-hmm. forward slash PIC for Partners in Conservation. Hey, that's and that will take you to the page and you can learn all about what we're doing. That's great. I'm going to put that link in the show notes this month. Jeff, really appreciate you coming by and sharing every year. This is what, your fourth year? Something like that. Yeah, third or fourth year, I believe, you coming over here to OSSB. And just, you do an outstanding job, and we really appreciate it. And we know that the money we're raising is being put to some great use. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jeff Ramsey. Up next, we're going to chocolate fair. Happy Mardi Gras. Happy Mardi Gras. Welcome to the 24th Annual Chocolate Festival. 24 years, Mr. Garwood, and I'm Mrs. Swisher, and I pass, happy Mardi Gras, guys, I pass the beads out over here, play the Mardi Gras music. I'm going to have Mr. Gar explain to you how this first started. It started in the long, long winters. We've got... In the land so far, far away. That's right. So, we wanted to... We something to do between Christmas and spring break, and so we came up with the idea of a chocolate festival, and it just so happened that... It was a great idea. People love chocolate in February, so we just that was when it started was in February. But it conflicted with Lent, the Lenten season where folks would give up chocolate and sugar. So it was moved to Fat Tuesday to accommodate that. And today it's, it's history. It's Next year's our twenty fifth. We gotta go out big, Mr. Geyer. Right. Mr. Geyer used to be the boat teacher here. He retired a few years back. We enjoy it. Well, I've been to a lot of Mardi Gras in New Orleans. Yes. Yeah. Because I used to live there, so I really love it and I miss it. Come and call. Any other well, thank questions? Thank you for having me on your podcast. I do have a couple more questions. Okay. What's an example of some of the stuff that we have here? Okay, we've got some non-chocolate things like uh, we had a student uh, make a cherry. Uh, 
pie cake from scratch. We have cupcakes, uh, strawberry cupcakes. We have chocolate-covered strawberries. We have uh, fudge, butterscotch fudge, um, some of the non-stuff we have. Um, we have a lot of things. That we have banana uh, dirt pudding, which was made with vanilla. We have a lot of chocolate. A lot of chocolate. We try to make. We try to be. Try to put a lot of adversity into it because we have a lot of students that cannot have chocolate. We have a few yeah. students here that are allergic to it, so we try to have some oddball things that they can eat. And we have a lot of peanut butter stuff. We have Buckeyes. We have peanut butter cookies, things like that. A lot of peanut butter. We have the peanut butter table separate from people who are allergic to peanut butter. So there's a variety. Cake. We have a lot of cheese. We have cheesecakes. We made cheesecake this year. Cheesecake pops, and we have cheesecake from scratch. Is there anything chocolate related to drink? Yes, hot cocoa. And it's homemade. One of our students, a brand new student called Brianna. Yes. Made it from scratch. It's awesome. She makes the best hot cocoa. You gotta try some. Happy birthday, girl. Thank you. We have a special opportunity today. Lots of folks uh, coming around and, and visiting. With me is Eric Duffy. Hello, Eric. Hey, Dan. How you doing? I'm doing great. We also have Chris Harrington. Good evening. And we have Mason McLean. Hi, thank you so much for allowing me to be on here. We are all connected with OSSB, and we all have some different things to talk about. And I'm going to say March is going to be a heavily focused alumni month. And talking about alumni, Eric, let's talk about the, the reunion that's coming up. Okay, so the alumni reunion is that first weekend in June. For the first time in a few years, it is back on the OSSB campus. Okay, all right. Um, Looks like the fee for registration and your alumni dues going to have a package of $90 that will include some meals and $20 for alumni dues. So um, planning committee is still working on exactly how the weekend is going to shape up, but it looks like it's going to be a fun and exciting weekend for people who have not been up to see the new school since it's opened. That's, of course, a treat as well, but just coming back and making new acquaintances and reacquainting yourself with old friends and being part of an alumni association is an exciting experience. You can't beat the price and we encourage everyone who is either has graduated from the school or attended the school at one point, staff included, um, come out and hang out with us for the weekend. It's going to be a fun alumni reunion. I'm definitely going to make an appearance myself this year. So just to, to register and pay your dues, uh, can, do we just pay? Can we pay by check? Do we pay when we get here? Do you want that ahead of time? How um, do we pay? You can pay at the door. You can pay by check. You can go online. The Alumni Association will be sending out more information about how to register. But remember, the, the $90 does include your overnight on campus for Friday and Saturday, some meals, and your alumni dues. So there are multiple ways to pay. There'll be a letter coming out shortly about all with all of this information in it. If you haven't um, updated your contact information with the Alumni Association, do that as well so that the association has your current information. You can do that in a couple of ways. There's an OSSB Facebook group which you can subscribe to. My wife, Shelley Duffy, is a member of the planning committee. So I'm gonna, even though I didn't ask her, I just do these things, I'll give you her phone number, which is 614-579-0974. Um, she can help you get your contact information updated. Michael Foster is still the corresponding secretary, 
So for those of you who know Michael, um, you can reach out to him and update your information that way so that you get the most current mailings, whether they're electronic mailings or hard copy, braille, large print, however you Great. get your information from the Alumni Association. All right. Well, that sounds good, Eric. We're certainly looking forward to hearing uh, more about it as, as the time gets close. Um, and we will come back to you in one minute. Um, over here is Chris Harrington. You got some exciting news to share with us? Um, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Finally getting around to... He's downplaying it. Yeah. Well, um, graduating college. Graduating um, college. So. All right. Because it's one thing I told you when you graduated back in... 2011. 2011. <clears throat> run together after a while, but um, it's one thing to start college, but it's another thing to finish, and Chris <laughs> is getting ready to walk across that stage with a degree in business and insurance business and insurance so he's going to be uh he's going to have your future in mind or he's going to be a good neighbor or something here right right something like that yeah something like that so, so. We're, we're very proud of what you're doing and uh chris are you just over the top excited about it more terrified than anything but for a long time i i didn't think it was something i was up for very very grateful to have um, people that have, you know, um, stood behind me being like, hey, um, yeah. even finish, with, even finish, with, finish, finish. That's right. Even um, with, and I'm finishing with a 3.2 GPA. So hey, that I, is outstanding. I can't, Outst I can't complain. That is outstanding. So we are very much looking forward to seeing you graduate and go out there and apply for 50 gazillion jobs. Exactly. I've keep, already started. Keep applying already um, started. until you land that perfect one. Now, as along the way, Chris has not only been going to school, but he has been working up at the Apple Store. Right? Yep. Yeah. Four years, June 12th. Four years, June 12th. And that to go to school and to work, uh, it's quite a bit to juggle. A little bit. <laughs> yeah, you're doing it. Yeah, you're doing it, and that's great. And <clears throat> we are very proud of what you're doing. All I right. Appreciate it. Thank right. you. All right, Macy McLean. Hi. How are you, Dan? All right, doing great, man. I'm so glad you guys are all here today. Thank you. And Macy is currently enrolled at Cedarville University, right? Yeah. What, I am. what are you doing over in Cedarville? So I am studying um, worship ministry and. Uh, my voice professor wants me to switch to music education, but I told him I'd only do that if you pay for it. But it's been a it's been a great time. Um, definitely some challenges along the way. It's been a great time learning. Um, it's been a wonderful time gaining skills, mm -hmm. and um, I'm I'm excited. So I'm currently in the process of looking for internships for the summer, and I've that's applied great. to several and oh, gotten some no's. Are you a junior now? Is that is that right? Um. So I'm actually a senior. So next year senior. will be my last year. Paris right now is finishing all my elective hours. Yeah, so it's a sign you're getting old when you can't classes. remember things. So you're going to be graduating next year? Yes, and yeah, what, that's the plan, yeah. And yeah. Are you kind of looking ahead to working in a church somewhere and leading uh, the music portion of, of the church program? Or what do you see yourself doing? I definitely see myself doing that. Um, I've had a lot of pushback from a lot of churches because of my disability and also because I'm a woman, um, a lot of churches are not open to hiring uh, ladies who have that degree, hmm. which is very sad, a lot of denominations. Um, but I'm also, uh, I know it's kind of a double-edged curse for me, and I understand that, but at the same time, I'm also a person that has a can-do attitude and extremely determined, and I'll just keep trying and keep looking, and 
Okay. Well, you know something, Macy, one thing is having that can-do attitude, and you've definitely got the talent to back it up. Do you have anything on YouTube right now that you can tell me about that we can kind of maybe put as the background on this segment? Yeah, um, I do have um, a link to a song that I was able to sing for our Homecoming Night of Worship in October. Homecoming Night of Worship was a joint collaboration between um, the Cedarville University Department of Music and Worship, um, our Jubilate Ministry Choir, which is what I'm a part of, um, our University Orchestra, and Heartsong, which is part of a bunch of touring teams they get together, and then also a production services group of PSG. Um, so that was a huge joint collaboration. It was a really great thing. Uh, fantastic. I did a song called Is He Worthy by Andrew Peterson. I would be happy to send you the link to That'd that. That would be great. We'll and do that. We'll put that in the yeah. show notes and we'll, we'll run that as a little background. Yeah. Looking forward for great things to come, Mason. I'll tell you. you. Now, let's go back to Eric because we're in the process right now of planning summer camps that's going to happen here at the School for the Blind. Eric, you're going to be involved in the Bell Camp that's put on by the National Federation of the Blind, correct? Yes. Talk to us a little bit about Bell Camp and what that is. Okay, so Bell Camp stands for Braille, Enrichment, Literacy, and Learning. And this camp really um, evolved from our Maryland affiliate. For a long time now, we've had some students, particularly in public school, that just don't get sometimes any or certainly enough Braille instruction throughout the school year. And so we've taken kids from ages 4 to 12 and said, you know, we're going to teach them. A lot of our programs are two weeks, but our Ohio program is a one-week residential program that will be held here at OSSB from July 21st through the 26th. Okay. We will focus on Braille, cane travel, a lot of blindness skills we want to. The reason we decided to have a residential program is because we want to work with the kids on some skills that they may not get during the summer or during the school year at home. Maybe the parents with some of these kids just aren't quite ready to say, you know, yes, we expect you to do these things. Um, you know, blindness is not an excuse. Right. Sometimes the sighted siblings are expected to do things that the blind children are not. And mm -hmm. we want to break down some of those barriers. We want to send those kids home and have them say, not only say, mom and dad, look what I can do, but show them, demonstrate it, having developed the skills and the confidence. So that's one of the reasons that we've really moved to a one-week residential program. And that kind of leads me into my next question here, Eric. Is there a parent component of this where parents are able to come in and see their kids doing these things at the camp or see other individuals who are blind and have low vision doing these things. So it sort of helps them be more comfortable raising their level of expectations. Absolutely there is. That's one of the key components that we have. I um, welcome parents to visit uh, during the day or during the evening even, see what their kids are doing. My one rule is simply that you allow your child to participate in the program uninhibited by you. Do not interfere with what we are doing. As long as parents do that, they're welcome. Um, we're also going to plan some activities specifically uh, designed for parents on the last day of the program so that they can see kind of what their kids have done during the week. But we can also provide a specific um, educational component for parents. All right, that sounds terrific, and we're certainly looking forward to that, Eric. We're always looking for volunteers, um, so 
from now until maybe early April. Um, I'm still interested in people who volunteer, want to volunteer for the week. I ask that if you do volunteer, that you plan to spend the week with us on campus. We will do a background check. Um, we'll do some other things. We have to really be careful about how we screen our volunteers. But we're encouraging people. Of course, if you know Braille, that's a plus. You don't have to know Braille because there are another, enough other tasks that we'll have people doing. Mm -hmm. So if you want to volunteer, you can reach out to me by phone at 614-377-9877, 614-377-9877, or by email. P-E-Duffy63 at gmail.com. So P is in Peter, E is in Eric, Duffy, D-U-F-F-Y, 63 at gmail.com. So if you reach out, let me know that you're interested in volunteering for Bell. I will get you an application and work with you through the rest of the process. All right. There you have it, Panther Nation. That's what Bell Camp's going to be like in July here at OSSB. Thank you so much, Eric. Sure. Thank you. And thank you, Chris. Yes, sir. And Macy. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for coming on the podcast. Up next, we're going to go on a reach and teach with Andre and Mrs. Smith. Here's an excerpt from Macy's YouTube video. So I'm sitting here with Miss Smith, and we just left the Ohio State University College of Optometry, where we just finished speaking to optometry students who were taking a class in blindness and low vision. And we spoke to four classes. And why were we there, Miss Smith? We were at the College of Optometry talking with these students because they are currently enrolled in a class that is specifically dedicated to teaching them about blindness and low vision and so we were talking about what the school is like and what the school day is like and about our students and their range of visual impairments and along with all of the extras that we have in our school like orientation and mobility, um, living skills, the residential program, the sports on all the extra things and also the podcast they were very interested about the podcast and how our students do that they were um, can you tell me about some of the activities you had to like show and demonstrate and teach them about the Ohio State School for the Blind and people with visual impairments we had examples of braille books and we had quite a discussion on the importance of braille literacy we had a goal ball that we took with us so we could explain goal ball but also show them how the sport is played, explain it and show them how the goal ball has the jingles inside. <laughs> and we also did a activity and perspective of what it is like to be totally blind, where we paired the students up with one another, we gave them all blindfolds, and we had them use a long white cane, and they had to travel in pairs, one person under blindfold, one person without impaired vision, and travel a route throughout the College of Optometry school building and gain a perspective on what it would be like to travel with a cane as a person who's totally blind. And can I ask, how did we get this set up? Like, what is this through? We have, our school has a connection with the OSU College of Optometry. We have optometrist, Dr. Hopkins, who comes to our school every Wednesday to provide services for our students and do eye exams. That is a tie-in 
to the actual College of Optometry, and Dr. Roanne Flum is the professor of this class who invites us every year because she feels like it is a good collaboration of what we do as professionals and what her students need to learn. So this is an activity we have done for many, many years. Thank you, Miss Smith. Well, you're quite welcome. Thank you, Miss Smith and Andre. Next, we're going to take a look at the humanware. What are we going to look at? Some stuff. We're going to look at some stuff. <laughs> the Braille Note Touch Plus. Exciting stuff. A very exciting part of the podcast now. We always look at new technology here at OSSB. Last year, we got to look at some of the HIM stuff. Today, we are fortunate to have a visit from Jim Sullivan from HumanWare, who talked with my ninth period class about the new BrailleNote Touch Plus that has recently come out. So, so Jim, this is a relatively new device. Yep, started shipping a couple of weeks ago, Dan. Two weeks ago, and it feels very much like the BrailleNote Touch uh, when you have it in your hands. What's some of the major differences in the upgrade? Yeah, so the major update in the upgrade is the board. So the board um, has been updated and allows us to be able to run Oreo 8.1. It's the same board that we'd be using in the Galaxy 7, so it features a, a Snapdragon processor. And again, that processor is allowing so, us to bring that board on, or that version of the operating system on board. So things on board are going to happen a lot faster with the, with the updated processor and the new board. Things are going to happen a lot faster, that's does, correct. Does this open up some new avenues for, for apps and browsing the Internet and so forth? It does. Uh, so for, for apps, it's going to allow us to support more apps that are going to be coming out of the Google Play Store, and we're going to interact with those apps a little differently. Um, from a browsing perspective, it's also going to allow us to be able to utilize Google Chrome, and that browsing experience is not only going to be faster, but will also feel uh, a little faster in your ability to be able to navigate around with some commands like H for heading and uh, O for lists. So you're really tapping into the using those ARIA elements on the web page and, and using that for navigation. That is correct. Well, we're sure excited about that. Um, what are some other things that are that are come along with this? So another big thing would be access to books using Dolphin ED Reader Plus, the plus being for the Braille Note Touch Plus. It'll allow you to be able to go out and directly download books and then be able to read them in Braille and listen to them in speech. So we take Go Read out of the equation. We with, take with Go this. Read out of the equation as well as Victor Reader. Victor Reader is no longer with us. Okay. And uh, how are things coming along in the math department? So in the math department, we are still doing math the, the way that we had. My understanding is, is that we're looking to try to improve upon key math. Uh, currently right now, you'll be in the word processor, exit out to key math, uh, write out your math equation, then drop that back into the word processor, and you can either write out equations, uh, you're also able to go in and graph equations as well. It sounds like things are really coming along with the HumanWare products and the Braille Note. New USB port? USB-C. USB-C. All right. So that's definitely going to be much faster and easier to work with. Yeah, bi-directional in terms of uh, knowing which which way to, to plug uh, plug uh, your USB-C cable into it. Okay. The OK Google piece of it will be new as well, so you'll be able to open up apps or, or maybe look for information with the OK Google command. Okay, it's great. Right. Having your whispering in the background. Though. OK Google. Yeah, it knows your voice. Is there anything else you want to add? 
I, I can't I can't think so. I mean, we'll be at CSUN uh, this week uh, showing the device. If anybody's looking for more information, uh, myself, Joel Zimba, Peter Tusick, or Rachel Feinberg would be happy to answer any questions that you have. You can reach us at uh, 800-722-3393, and you can also visit us at www.humanware.com for more information. All right. Thank you so much, Jim. It's been a very enlightening visit today, and we're sure glad you came down here. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Mr. Jim. Continuing with our technology thing, we'll be talking to Mrs. Karbowski and Mr. Carter about 3D printing and how we're using that here at OSSB for our modeling course. Okay, so we've been talking about the, the modeling club uh, for the past couple of months on the podcast. We've actually had uh, Sam Seavey uh, featured on his YouTube channel. Which, uh, and then we, we talked with some of the kids about the after-school program. And now joining us to talk about the newest component of what we're doing with the modeling program. We're talking about 3D printing. And I have Carolyn Karbowski and Garrett Carter. Uh, so welcome to the to podcast, you guys. Thank you. Uh, hello. Thanks for having us. Uh, yeah, and that, that guy there, that's Garrett, and this one is Carolyn. Carolyn. All right, okay. All right, so 3D printing. Uh, it's, it's an amazing technology. It seems like there's limitless possibilities of what we can do with, with this technology. How are we using it downstairs with, to restore these models? So we are printing smaller replicas of the larger models that are in the basement that were built for during the WPA program. Okay. So since the models are very old and some of them are falling apart, we're making replicas so that way you can feel what these sculptures are before the models are completely renovated right. and they can be small enough to understand the full concept. So you could have a small model and then you could go touch the real model. Gotcha. And right. then it would allow like more students to touch models. You wouldn't just have one. You could have one for every student. So when you're looking at the smaller model, you can get the perspective, I guess, the big scope of, yes. of how the whole thing looks. And then when you, when you transfer that over to the bigger model, you can see a lot more of the details yes. on a larger surface, right? Yes. And right. a lot of the buildings are famous, like the White House, the Capitol Building, the Eiffel Tower. And so... Those 3D printing files called STL files are already available online. So okay. It's on websites like Thingiverse.com. And so people have downloaded, people have designed these models and already put them online so we can download them and we don't have to do any design work. Wow. But some of the models like Monticello and yeah. some of the airplanes, we haven't been able to find models. So we're trying to find students at OSU that could design them. Okay. And uh, Garrett, are you one of those students at, at OSU? Um, so, uh, yes and no. Um, so, I basically my role is uh, Caroline has her own company, C3D. Yeah. Um, I don't know if the podcast knows about that or not. We were going to get into that. Glad you <laughs> brought that up. <laughs> um, but uh, I I do the web development for C3D. Uh, so, in, in coming to OSSB, I'm like tech support. Uh, okay. <laughs> you know, figure out how to get the printers working every time something breaks. Like. Uh, we got a printer downstairs right now that has a like clogged nozzle on it, and so we got to figure out how to get that fixed uh, so we can keep printing models. Gotcha. Yeah. Last week, Garrett was great. We had a large blob of melted filament okay. that was stuck in the printer, and we fixed and got it out. I'm amazed that the filament, it just feels like a spool of, I don't know, a plastic cable. Yes. Right? And mm -hmm. then, you know, it, after it 
gets heated up and mixed together and and all that, you, you get this really neat product at the end. I know you guys mm-hmm. did the the Leaning Tower of Pisa mm-hmm. table pieces for the senior dinner. Or what's, what's the name of your company? C three D. It's S E E the number three then D. Okay, C three D. And is it is it C three D dot com? Yep, so C three D dot org. Dot org. Okay, yep. I'm gonna put that link in the show notes so Perfect. everybody has a chance to look at that. Go check it out. Right. How long how long have you been doing this? For about two and a half years. I started at junior year of high school. Oh, wow. Okay, great. And then I've been uh, about four to six months, somewhere in there. Uh, mm-hmm. We met at the dining hall at the beginning of the year at OSCO, okay. uh, one of the dining halls, and uh, just kind of connected from there and been working together ever since. Uh, okay, great. And what what's your, what's I guess, the, the main role or, or, you know, what are you, what are you seeing your company doing is it in terms of with 3D? Mm-hmm. I mean, because there's so much that you can do with it. I right. Mean. So what we do now on our website is there's a requesting form through Google Forms that people who are blind or TVIs and parents can make requests for models, and mm-hmm. then we print and give them the model for free. Wow. And we're trying to do this, like, expand our efforts for schools, and so we have printed some for OSSB before, Right. And But sometimes it's a lot for us just to print the objects in the mail. It can take a long time. So mm-hmm. we're trying to partner with, with schools and help them start their own 3D printing program so that way it's faster. So being here for the model club, we're able to show the teachers and students how to work the printers so they can do it themselves and they can print more objects a lot faster than we can mail it to them. Oh, yeah. That's, that's fascinating. If you have to do the design work on some of this stuff, too, because that was... Kind of leading into one of my questions when we were talking earlier about some of these files being available, is it as simple as taking a JPEG and, and putting it in there and saying, all right, print this out for me? <laughs> it's a little more complicated. <laughs> um, I thought it might be. <laughs> <laughs> so we actually have to uh, bring it into a program uh, called Cura uh, that they use for uh, the, they're called Ultimakers is the name of the brand of 3D printer that, okay. um, that this, you guys have here. Is this like a CAD program kind of a... Uh, it's video? similar. It's more for like viewing it and editing the things that are going to happen on the 3D printer okay. when it prints out the model. Right. Um, so it, it allows you to change uh, like things like um, there's something called infill, which is basically the, the density of the filament inside of the, right. the object. Uh, you know, how, how uh, close together, uh, you know, the supports inside are going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it allows you to generate supports if like something has an overhanging feature that would you know, just sag when the filament goes over it right. or something. Just change all these things and, uh, like, reorient objects and things. So it um, puts, you could put in a, a a strut or whatever so it'll let it rest on the, the printer bed while it's being yes. mm-hmm. melted together or printed right. out, right? Okay. Essentially. All right. I'm, I'm still wrapping my head around this, it's, but it is wonderful stuff. Do you, Are you doing any commercial use, too, to kind of keep this your mission going of, of being able to partner with schools and, and provide these wonderful things. So we've done some kind of like consulting work. Right now we're working with P&G okay. on their accessible sensory garden, which will be in Mason, Ohio. Okay, all right. And we're printing rose models for them, and they're just looking for ways to make their garden accessible and having us connect them to people who are blind. And we're, of course, like telling about OSSV and there are braille plaques that you make and right, right. all that. So we're doing work with them. And the Cincinnati Association for the Blind and Visually Impaired has asked us to print 
prints of their logo. Okay. And so sometimes if it's an organization, right. like CABVI or PNG, they'll donate to us. Yeah, and that so, was going to be my right. next question. Are you taking, do you doing grants and donations yes. and that sort of thing? And the innovation studio at OSU has given us $1,750. Yeah. And we've had some other donors in the past and grants that we've won. So we do a lot of this from the grants and also if it's an organization, a lot of times they'll donate or people that we mail the models to for free, they'll donate afterwards. Okay. So the process, I guess, when we're talking about these miniature models that we're doing with the model club here, um, how long does that take from, I guess, start to finish? Like kind the of, printing process? Yeah, the printing process, if you have the file already available. Because mm -hmm. um, I'm sure it's not instantaneous, you know, you just print it out and 30 seconds later, like when you print out your paper, it's done. Does it does it take? A yeah, really it it actually it takes quite a while. Um, it ranges anywhere from you know some, some very small prints we'll have will be like thirty minutes, all the way up to into twenty four hours. Uh, you know where you're waiting a whole day for to get the model out. Wow. Um, but the the things that it depends on is obviously the size of the model, but then also you can adjust the uh, detail level uh, that the printer is going to do. So okay. if you want it to go into more detail, then it's going to take a lot longer. Sure. But if you want something to just get shot off, you know, quickly with not as much detail, then you can have yeah. that. But yeah, it, it's it's quite quite a range. The longest one we had was uh, there was a Taj Mahal we printed, okay. um, and that was about uh, almost a full day, I think, wow. as well as the Capitol building. Uh, that one took a really long time as well. And yeah. six of the leading tower of Pisa's take 24 hours. Okay. They're pr we're printing six at the same time. Right. But it helps that since you have five printers, yeah. we usually set a bunch of for Model Club and the next day they'll be done. And mm -hmm. then you can make a new print and the next day those will be done. It's just like a cycle. Okay. So what's the interface uh, that you're using to, to get the information to the printer? Are you doing this with a computer or do you put things on an SD card and so um oh okay um so the the program Cura on the computer okay. um it takes it and it puts it on an SD card and then uh, there's like a button you press right right at the end of it and it like tells you what it's doing and it says it went onto the SD card and then you remove it stick it right into the printer and then the printer allows you to select which model on the SD card okay um right. that you want to use Right. Yeah, when you download from Thingiverse the STL file, mm -hmm. we save that on a regular computer, and but you can't print that because the printer doesn't know how large to make it or how hollow to make it. Okay. So then right. you put it in Cura to save right. the size, and right. you save it as a G code on the SD card. Okay. All right. Do you know if that technology, the interface, is becoming a little more accessible for someone who is totally blind to? interact with that or is it still I guess graphical in nature so I know a man in California he's a TBI mm -hmm. and he downloads prints from Thingiverse to his phone using voiceover okay. and prints them with his students who all are blind okay. it is like he can't change the size of the print though right so okay. or like he might be able to change like the numbers but you don't know how large it is on the screen you could say right. make it a hundred percent larger but you don't know yeah so it's sort of like if, right. if, if i'm doing a picture in, in powerpoint and i'm trying to resize yes. it and mm -hmm. i just keep doing it until it says it's not covering you know the top edge or the left edge yes. or whatever like yeah okay. it's like that right. i know polar 3d which is a company in cincinnati they 
are willing to like make their things more accessible. They just want to know like what's wrong with their website, like what, because they don't have anyone who's blind that like works for them. Mm -hmm. So they said like let us know about your feedback and they'll fix it. But for the most part, it is a little iffy. We're trying to, with the printers now since it's a screen with like buttons to control it to tell it to go. Right. We want it to go to audio feedback. Okay. Yeah, that would be that would be fun. I think uh, to have that technology, in you know, built in like that. Because definitely got a lot of interested students here. We got what six or seven of them down mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that are working. That's great. That's just great stuff. Now, w let's just talk about. I've heard some wild things about three D printing, and mm -hmm. and you know <laughs> some of it. I, I'm like, okay. I went to a workshop on this uh, when we went to the Braille Challenge, and uh, mm. you know this guy was talking about you know the largest thing that's that's ever been printed in the world you know, 3D printed in the world was a house. Yes. Mm -hmm. That that was actually true. Uh, and I, you know, I was like, okay, yeah. But he said the guy had a 3D printer about the size of a garage and printed out all the components for a home that you could live in. And somehow stem cells are being mixed in with the filament, and you can 3D right. print organs. I mm -hmm. met a friend at the science fair, and he's 3D printing bones. Wow. It's crazy. It's like something with the filament, you know, I would put this in the body and then the cells attach to it okay. and like right. kind of degrade it and replace it and make new bone. That is fascinating. So I also have a friend that's making stents for lungs. It's like really? interesting. Um, I've heard about food like chocolate and pancakes. <laughs> Sometimes when, when they 3D print it though, they're not using filament. They're using the batter and it's just the motion that the batter is being distributed is like how the 3d printer moves okay wow it's going to be star trek with the replicator before we know it right right <laughs> all right um is there anything that you want to add that i didn't cover that you want to talk about i would say like with models we're always interested in wanting to know what you would like to have printed so anytime like you're in class and you're like, you know, I wonder what this looks like. If it be a science object or a famous person or a building, let the model club know so we can print and make it for you. There you have it. All right. And it's C3D. Yes. Right. C-S-E-E and then 3D.org. Yes. All right. Well, you know, just I'm very excited to be able to share this this month, and I appreciate you guys taking some time before model club gets started to talk to us a little bit about 3D printing and the wonderful things that you're doing not only with with our model club but uh, you know around the state and around the country. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you Miss Karbowski and Mr. Carter. Up next, me, Mrs. Smith, Mrs. Swordout, Autumn, Kayla, and Olivia all take a trip down to the Mennonites and we'll talk about them and learn a little bit about their culture. And they sing for us. I'm a junior, and what I love about my school is that it's so small. 
How y'all doing? I'm Andre. Um, what I'm eight. Uh, how old am I? I'm 17. <laughs> and what I like about our school is uh, it's just fun. Everybody there has some sort of vision problem. And I'll pass around the white cane, and you guys can check. We have a couple of them out. I think a, a white cane is very reliable of the tactile information. So I don't think I don't think they will ever not be used. I think there is some technology that we have out to help improve the travel skills and improve use of a guide dog or a cane. I have no vision and I lost it around the age of eight due to my retinas detection. Will you turn over voiceover? Phone. Mail. And, um, the iPhone is the one Words, headings, um, actions, speaking rate, 55%. You can have books in Braille, so you can see how Braille looks like and um, how much room it takes up. Braille takes up a lot of room. This is a copy of the Braille alphabet, so you can see what it looks like. Did so, one of the other students read it or with their fingers to show them what she actually read? I'm with Miss Sword Out and we're here at the Meta Knight School and we're about to check out a horse and buggy. Okay. So well now I'm gonna tell you, Andre, you have to watch out for the wheels and feeling the wheels. Mm -hmm. And the reason is because there's a lot of horse poop on the ground out here. Uh sounds so that's the buggy part, okay? <laughs> mm -hmm. And now there is a sliding door here. Okay, so I want you to feel the sliding door so you can slide it open. They said it was fine. And we can Flip up the seat, and you can sit right there. It's yeah. really cool. Some people have like a heater in their buggy, but we usually just use blankets and things. All right, this is going to wrap up the March podcast, Andre, Julia, and Jeremiah. Woo! It yeah. was fun. I was sick. <laughs> yeah, well, we're glad you came back. Should uh, stay. <laughs> yeah, everybody was sick this month, I think. So, but uh, we were able to we were able to pull it together once again. Uh, I want to thank you guys for your hard work this month. And this podcast would not be, could not be, what it is without you. you. Without spring break. Without spring break. <laughs> All right. Everybody have a great spring break. Yeah. Julia, Julia, you want to say bye to everybody? Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. There you go. All right. Nice job. We'll see you guys at the end of April.